0: Welcome to the Bound to Be Rich podcast, where I attempt to reverse engineer people who seem to be successful no matter the circumstances, so that you can apply those lessons to your own life. I'm your host, Ismail Himet. One quick thing before we get started. I am starting my own email newsletter, and I would love for you to join it. It's going to be like a personal note for me to my friends of all the best things I've come across that month, from hacks and tips, interesting stories, products, books, ways to make money, and who knows what else. It's totally free. And if you don't like it, you can always opt out at any time, so there's no downside. The link to join is in the show notes, and I hope to see you on the list. In this episode, we are joined by the Nomad Trader. Nomad is getting very well known due to a $10,000 rapid flow challenge that he started. He focuses on low-risk trades with small returns, but he's proven that those small gains compound over time. At the time of the conversation, he had taken his initial $10,000 to $250,000, Within 13 weeks, since then he's continued and is now up to $350,000 at 16 weeks. As he told me in this episode, he's going to take it to a million, and I have no doubt of that. Nomad is someone who has actually had a big impact on my path as a trader because he's incredibly transparent. He shares the entry and exit of every single trade he takes, so that you can analyze when exactly he took profits and or when he cut losses. Most of the traders only show you their total profit numbers on winning trades, but that really isn't that helpful to learn from. Prior to The Nomad, I always wondered what percent returns profitable traders actually targeted. We dig into his journey as a trader, and we discuss a ton of things, like what makes a trader successful, why do most people lose money, what are realistic returns to target, his advice to aspiring traders, and much, much more. Let's dive in. Yay! No, oh, Matt. Thank you so much for making the time and joining us. I really appreciate you being here. Appreciate appreciate
1: you having me. Um, I've I've listened to a couple of your other episodes, and they're very very informative. I appreciate how um, you know you take this form, you take this medium, and you try to you know generally go out and try to help people and try to you know help those out there who are looking to looking to learn, looking to educate themselves. So I am all about that. So anything I can do to help.
0: Thank you. Thank you for saying that. I actually, it's funny. It started with. I used to, I I like having these conversations all the time. And then people said, Hey, you should put it out there. People will get value out of it. Um, So I I did like a test run of like five episodes and people liked it. Uh, I guess they like the way I ask questions or or what I go into because I am kind of representing the audience member. Right. So I I come at things with a fresh mindset and ask questions that I think the audience would have. It's, It's this thing called the curse of knowledge, right? Where I find this all the time, like people that know, for example, like you how to trade or whatever it may be. Once you're in that position of knowing, it's a lot harder to remember how it was not knowing. Um, there's like a gap there. Um, but, but I appreciate the kind words and I'm excited to dive in. Um, I guess just to set it up, would you mind giving us a little bit about a background about yourself and, and uh, I guess how you, what you did before you became a nomad?
1: Yeah, no worries. Um, so, uh, you know, because at my core, I am a serial entrepreneur. I love businesses. Um, funny thing is I used to be a professional gambler. And I think a lot of times that actually helps, uh, especially with the mentality and approach for trading, uh, not, and not just the actual trades, but the, but like I said, the mindset and the, the bankroll management, which is so, so important for, for a lot of people. And um, I, you know, I also invested a lot in real estate back in the day. Um, I love cash producing assets as well as fix and flips. And then a few years ago, I you know uh, kind of started building some uh, funds, some real estate funds, but really, my true bus- my true passion still getting back to kind of building businesses, and so the last um, really since uh, maybe six months before pandemic, I really started to grow as a venture capitalist. And I've invested and um, helped a lot of a lot of small startups. Um, some successes, definitely some failures for sure. Um, but I've been involved in a lot of uh, in the full gamut of businesses. I mean, my gosh, like jerky uh whiskey uh social dating apps uh, dating apps for specific <laughs> it's it's been a crazy crazy thing but during the pandemic i started really figuring out that um like everybody else in america 2.0 i didn't have to go anywhere to do all these things um so uh, i started just kind of traveling and you know and that i kind of picked up trading uh at the end of last year and to be honest i didn't even know what an option was uh, a year ago in fall. And one of my buddies who I know who trades all the time, I remember we were actually smoking cigars and, and I was kind of telling him like, Oh yeah, I, you know, he was saying, Hey, I just traded Tesla and I made X gains or whatever. I'm like, Oh, that's cool. You know, how, how would you make that on a multiple? Because, you know, if I buy a share of Tesla, you know, how, how is that possible? And he was kind of explaining to me options. And I started really um, kind of getting hooked and uh, because before I was just trading shares and it was nice because I could use margin of course, but, you know, the option game is definitely um, something, uh, something for me. And I think for a lot of people that I've kind of encountered, um, even through, you know, kind of our Twitter world and through the, the TFC Discord and some of the other um, kind of communities, I think the, the classic trader, as we're kind of getting to know, is very analytical, um, very engineer and mindset. And uh, very entrepreneurial in spirit. And I think the options world really appeals to us. And so like anything else, I'm a total type A, 100% uh, personality guy. So beginning of the year, I dove in and just started really researching everything. When I could, I cannot get enough information. And I stumbled across um, the TFC uh, group. And they've just been incredible to work with. I mean, I, I belong, full disclosure, I belong to multiple discords, I follow Multiple uh, Finchwit traders and pros, but I definitely uh, glean the most knowledge and and actionable uh, intelligence and information and data from TFC for sure. But to kind of kind of bring it full circle, I started trading full time in January of this year. I um, I hired a, a, a kind of an operations manager to manage a lot of my uh, personal businesses I was involved with. I um, shrunk my uh, my physical footstep on my, I have a couple offices throughout the United States. I shrunk those footsteps, very, the physical footsteps. And, um, you know, during this time, I w- really wanted to look back on this pandemic years you know, later on in life, maybe when I'm a grandfather or something, and I'm bouncing my kid on my knee, I can be like, Hey, remember that, that the great pandemic of 2020, this is what your grandfather did. And so I, I sold my beloved beach house in Southern California. And I've literally been going from, uh from basically Airbnb to Airbnb since, and I trade. And so I, again, like, obviously we just had a little bit of Technical issues before even this um, kind of thing, and you and you and you, you had it very succinctly, which is this is the one cost of nomadic <laughs> life, right? You don't have all the stuff in front of you.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's pros and cons, but I think there's a lot more pros. Um, you, you mentioned there's there's so many rabbit holes to go into with what you said, uh, but I, I just want to echo what you said about the financial cloud, the TFC group. I'm also in. I, I've been in number of Discord groups and like I have a group of friends that follow me into different groups or I join their groups and we all agree. Like it's just something about it. It's just different than all the other groups out there. There's more education. You get to know the people. Um, For me, I like listening to people live because trading is kind of lonely, right? You're you're kind of alone on the computer all day and hearing people, uh, talk about things they're seeing or, or how they're looking at things during the trading day makes you feel a little less lonely. So for me, that's the most valuable thing. Um, but one thing I'm just curious about is you said you were a professional gambler. What did you play? Uh, poker and sports, sports betting. And wh- why did you get out of that? Was it not as fruitful as the other things?
1: It doesn't really look good on a resume when you have a gap in employment and you have to explain to people how you were actually making money. It's it's a little awkward at times, to be honest. And you know, it's you know, I may have been maybe that during that time I've been dating and it's not the, it's not the best um, occupation to, to roll out. I mean, it's, it's sexy for a single guy for sure. Um, but um, yeah, I just, and I just wanted to kind of get on and, and started building some stuff. And the thing with the thing with um, any type of gambling is, you know, it's still, it's still active, right? You cannot build passive income off that. And so what I wanted to do was spend some time building out uh, passive income strategies. And so I'd have cash flow on a, on a monthly basis, right? Because you know, as one of my mentors would always tell me is, uh, "Well, nomad, you ain't making money unless you're making money while you're sleeping." And although gambling was fun, you still had to, you know, apply the work, much like tr- much like trading. But I also wanted to get to something I was passionate about. So,
0: yeah. So, just quickly, like to echo some things that I, I relate to with your story is that. I also have a background in real estate. I fixed and flip properties in in my area in Long Island, New York. Uh, oh be- wow! Okay. Yeah, it's become very difficult lately, so th- that's kind of been put on the back burner because of the market conditions. Um, I, I I worked in Wall Street at real estate finance firms, so I have se- I have that analytical mindset. Like before, I got into trading, I was really a value investor, um, looking at cash flows and analyzing things that way. I, I think the pandemic and the way the market shifted kind of sucked us all into the trading world because before that, you know, it was really all about investing and making 10% a year was considered amazing. Now you make 10% in a few minutes or a couple hours and it's not enough, right? So it's just a total shift that I've seen, but I, I totally agree with you because I've had some crazy wins trading and like some of my friends are like, why are you doing all this other stuff? If you're making so much money trading, uh, why, why even bother with these other things? Uh, but my, my whole goal is what you just said, right? Right trading is great but it's unpredictable you can have up days down days you don't know how much you'll make some days uh so covering your living expenses with like consistent cash flow Is what I'm focused on. And you mentioned Airbnb as a guest. I've interviewed some people about this recently. And something that I'm looking at, I don't know if you have experience with this in real estate, is I'm I'm looking to throw some of my gains into acquiring vacation rental properties so that I can use them myself when they're not occupied, uh, but that they would also give off that cash flow to cover my living expenses. While, like, my ideal scenario is that my expenses are covered and I get to interview people all day and trade all day. Like that's the ideal life for me at this point. Have you like looked into Airbnb investing or anything like that or are you more of the traditional real estate long-term rental investing with your funds? Uh,
1: so, you know, so I have multiple funds. One fund actually does short-term rentals and we put you know, I did an Airbnb in there. It was a beach Airbnb. Um, it was, you know, we we picked it up. It was actually on the coast, and so obviously, there's only so many of those. And man, those are those are very, very uh, lucrative, right? Because they're always rented, and no one could no one could have predicted the the migration uh, during the pandemic. Everybody wanted Airbnbs versus hotels because of the unsureness of you know, cleanliness and all the other stuff, whatever it was. But I I'm a big fan of Airbnb, not just not just their stock but also the, the general principle of the, of the Airbnb. Because you know, generally, when you're doing the short-term rentals, if you build a good um, uh, following, right, and you're going to have to pay your dues through Airbnb your first year or two, and you're going to have to pay them their fees or whatever. But after a while, you can build your own guest list if you have, a very, if you have unique properties, beachfront, lakefront, um, you know, obviously five bedrooms plus, so people can do uh, you know, family gatherings or, or corporate retreats, um, and also pick them in places that are going to have good tax policy. Like To be honest, I started um, to liquidate out of California um, just because of the tax policies that were out there and the tax policies on the horizon. And I'm sure you have the same kind of um, uh, obstacles coming up in New York because I know they're the same way. But also but places like Florida are blowing up, Texas coastal, Corpus Christi are blowing up, um, and, you know, and places like Puerto Rico, right? So, and especially as we're making these gains on the daily trading, we have to be cognizant of our tax implications because real estate, you get all sorts of tax, cool tax tools to help, you know, mitigate, uh, mitigate tax liability. Trading is not that way. It's capital gains and that's what it is. So it's a little different and it's something we all have to be a little, um, a little aware of. But to answer your question specifically, Dabbled in it for sure. It's not as um, I I prefer focusing more on secondary and tertiary markets that have high employment and um, high cost of uh, new housing, because generally in those in those regions you have um, you, you're always going to have because you have good employment you're always going to have people looking for housing and, and 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 especially in this environment there's not a lot a lot of rental housing available in some of these places. So in the last couple of years, um, I've really, you know, I was into Austin, but I've already sold out because that thing topped out. It was literally like a wave. It was literally like wave five in Austin right now. Once Tesla came in there. Um, I still have some stuff in central California because there's a lot of, um, that's really the only affordable place up in California. Um, big fan of uh, still in Detroit, especially around uh, the downtown area. I'm not sure if you've been there recently, but they're really, um, you know, uh, Dan Gilbert, who owns the Cavaliers, you know, he moved all into Quicken. He moved Quicken to downtown Detroit and bought all these buildings in the downtown area. And he basically made all their development in like a spoke fashion. And so I try to buy as many um, assets that are within a half mile or a mile of downtown for that young uh, professional that maybe doesn't want to buy a house yet because they're the ones that saw their parents go through short sale or foreclosure during the Great Recession and they're kind of like, ooh, I'm not sure if I want to buy a house yet. I just kind of want to rent, but I, but I want a nice place, and I want to be close to downtown so I can go down and have my craft beer and and hang out with uh, and hang out with this meal, so I can I can listen to uh, TFC live.
0: <laughs> um, obviously we want to dive into trading, but I I would regret it if I didn't ask you because you have a lot of experience. It seems like in this area. So two questions: um, Do you? What's your stance overall on the real estate market? People think it's going to crash. People don't think it's going to crash. I'm curious what you think there, and if you have any advice for people listening um, that have money to invest, where should they put it? Real estate? Like how do you how do you invest? Do you have it in crypto? Like just think, how do you think about investing, and how do you think about the real estate market in general?
1: So the real estate market in general. Um, so right now, I've really uh, pushed a lot of assets into short term product, um, whether that's fix and flip. Or um, uh, maybe I'm buying. So about six to eight months ago, I really put my team out to find what I call the small mom and pop investors because they were the ones that were really kind of getting screwed through this whole thing. Because if you're a tenant, you're getting, you getting help from the government, you're getting help from their state, you're getting help from the housing authority. If you're a big multinational corporation like BlackRock or anything like that, you're getting all sorts of tax breaks. You're getting, obviously, there's all sorts of help for these guys during the pandemic to, to reclaim lost revenue. But the, the, that margin in the middle, the small mom-and-pop investor who was buying that fourplex because that was their retirement. Or they're buying that duplex so they could put their kid in there you know, while they're going to college and they rent the other side. Those are the ones that weren't take that weren't getting rent, and a lot of these markets they're still not getting rent. But they're also that 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 category of investor they're still concerned about their credit score, but there's no help for them right now, and it's only just now starting to come out for them. Where a lot of these state and municipalities are are having like a, a fund set aside to kind of help them catch up because they realize, oh my gosh, at some point these guys they're paying this extra mortgage payment every month because it's an investment that they don't want to give up because they put 20% into it. So they have equity in there and they don't want to give it up, but they can't sell it because they have an unruly unpaying tenant in there. So to be honest, we really targeted that segment over the last, you know, six to eight months, because that was a, that was a really, really, um, uh, I thought it was very untouched segment. And I bet there, I bet you have some in New York and I bet you have in your area, I would look at like um, not necessarily New York. I'd probably look more at, in maybe like uh, Pennsylvania. Um, uh, obviously, Nashville's popping, but I think that's maybe in the sixth or seventh inning right now. I really think Florida, Texas are really still going to be valid just because of the incoming population growth and the um, and the type of jobs that are coming into there. Texas, you got to be concerned with because it's even though there's no state income tax, the freaking property taxes are three x m- over most of the nation. So what I've found that's been a little bit better and one of the funds I'm actually built, I'm actually currently actively building out right now is a short term, almost like a, like a private money fund because, you know, now we have contacts in all these different markets across the nation and people are always uh, coming to us and like, Hey, I need, I need funding for, you know, this project. I'm like, Oh, that's really cool. So, you know, uh, how do you want us to, how do you want us to engage? You want a straight debt, um, execution where we can loan you x and you know you pay us off you know uh, interest plus plus you know some fees and or do you want like a jb partner or do you want a combination thereof and so that's been actually pretty lucrative lately because one of the things i think is very very dangerous for people that want to just get into real estate in general and i know BlackRock really knows this now is realist actually in zillow ironically zillow just found this out the hard way too is real estate is so hyper-localized. You cannot build this giant national process and be very, very effective with real estate if you're going to do you know, things like uh, fix and flip. Um, if you're doing long-term tenant, long-term rental cash flow, that's one thing. But these short-term spikes of uh, you know, in these cash events, they're, it's a little more difficult to manage from one central office. You have to have boots on the ground. And so back to the fund, is I think um, this 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 latest fund that I'm building out. I think it'll be the best one of the best opportunities because it'll allow people that have cash sitting on the sidelines to put cash into a centralized place, get a very in, very high rate of return, and in general, you're now we're basically partnering with people that are that are local that are local in their own markets because you and I both know, especially if you're in real estate, Mel, is, is that. You have to be in that market to understand all the nuances of neighborhoods, all the nuances of hiring vendors, even the eviction laws and how to get things done. And so versus trying to build this gigantic um, this gigantic uh, process that's almost like this would be like a huge ship. I want a fleet of small agile sailboats.
0: Yeah. I mean, one other thing before I forget, that was a commonality is that you mentioned venture capital um, investing. I also have built my own software products. And I actually just had one acquired a B2B SaaS product. So that was another commonality that I saw in as well. Congratulations. Thank that's, you.
1: Hey, hey, only a few people understand how awesome that really is because everybody wants, man, that's sexy, right? Like, oh yeah, I built X out and I got, and I sold it out. Everyone's like, oh, I, everyone's like, I can do that in my, my spare time. I'm going to learn Java and do this or whatever, right? <laughs> but you and I both know the hoops you had to jump through to get to that point. Oh God.
0: Yeah. You know what? That tells you that you know uh, you have experience. Because a lot of people that I talk to, like friends are like, oh yeah, that's nice, congratulations. And they have no idea no. The, the blood, sweat, and tears. Uh, my first product that I built years ago was a failure. So this is my second go-ahead. It's, it's not easy. People think, oh yeah, I'll just build a software product. It's really not easy. There's a lot that, that goes with it. So I, I'm glad that you understand that. I'm, I'm sure you've seen that with your investments as well. Um, but I, there's something about us, right? We we like the pain. We enjoy it. Yeah. So. <laughs> but,
1: but hey, But hey, without that, and and this is one of the big things I always tell my teams and and people I mentor all the time is, hey, you have to welcome adversity. If you shy away from adversity, you're never, ever going to grow. Like nothing grows up, nothing grows in comfort zones, and adversity sharpens you. And the two things that always reveal character, always reveal character, are adversity and money. And when those two things go hand in hand, you really figure out what somebody's about.
0: I I could not agree with you more. This, This is like an aside, but I actually was organizing my first business conference in New York. My listeners know this, the TWA Hotel by JFK Airport. Maybe you've been there. Um, So uh, that was scheduled to happen literally the week after the world shut down because of COVID in March. So wow. So you you talk about adversity, um, all these vendors, all these attendees, refunding people, even though I didn't get refunded from the venue, all that stuff that went along with it, that was my guiding principle. Do the right thing. Because people will remember you and, and that'll come back to you in the future if you treat it the right way. If you start treating people badly, uh, not refunding them or doing shady stuff, you're done. But if you do things the right way, you can come back next year or the year after or, or do something else in the future. So I think that reputation uh, and dealing with the adversity is very important. I
1: 100% agree. As uh, My mentor would always, would always just hammer into me is can always make more money, but- you can never get back your reputational capital. Your reputation is your true currency.
0: Yep. Well, one other quick question before we dive into the trading is, uh, you're obviously well-traveled. Uh, where is the best place in the world to trade from?
1: <laughs> so the last like uh, six months, man, I've been on a whirlwind. In fact, I just, I was literally, I traded from a houseboat last week. That was actually a new experience. I've never actually had satellite, like trading on satellite. that actually honestly kind of sucked because it, does, it didn't go as fast as I would like. But for me, personally so far has been uh, switzerland i went to switzerland about uh, a month and a half ago two months something like that it was just kind of a last minute thing i was like you know what i'm gonna go out and hike in the morning and and you know uh have a beer and brat for lunch and you know listen to some yodeling in the early afternoon and then you can trade from three o'clock to nine thirty 30 their time i mean how awesome is that
0: that sounds perfect. I mean, I actually have a friend that goes to Spain periodically that trades, and he said the same thing, that time difference is amazing because you can have your, your day of activities or whatever you want to do, trade, and then you still have time to go out and, and enjoy the nightlife as well, and you can sleep in. So it seems like the ideal time frame in the whole world for trading, right? Kind of.
1: It, no, it. trust me. And no, absolutely. I, I didn't even realize. I mean, I kind of thought about it, but in fact, it was funny because I felt so incredibly blessed when I was out there. Um, I, and I started my Twitter account, uh, that, uh, the nomad trader eight, I actually started that from a cafe in Zurich after I made a Tesla trade, a rapid flow trade to be exact. I remember trading it and going, okay, how awesome is this? I'm literally sitting in a cafe sipping espresso cause I'm an espresso junkie. And, um, I just did this. I go, anyone could do this. Like I'm not special. You know, I just, I just study and I have these great alerts and I have these, this great discord and these great, you know, these tools that anyone could do. And I'm literally sitting here and making as much or more than if I was back in the United States. And so i never forget September, I think it was September 1st of this year, I started my Twitter account. And I just wanted to kind of share all of my experiences, not just the trading experiences, but also the places where I'm trading.
0: So all right, I'm glad I'm glad that we're segueing into this because I think this is what everyone wants to hear. Um, I guess let me set it up this way. Before – because you've had you've had a crazy successful story that we want to learn how you did it, but I'm thinking about the listener that hears your background, um, successful real estate guy, venture capitalist. You know, he's a unicorn. This guy, um, can you, I? Don't know the story of your journey. Can you tell us how it was in the beginning? Like a lot of people seem to have a trouble picking it up. They blow a certain. They blow accounts, and then they start to get it. Did you have a similar experience, or did you just get it off the bat?
1: Um. Well, remember, I started to trade shares at first, and I'm very, very, I'm very capital conservative to be, to be honest. But, but you know, it didn't, it definitely didn't grow like I thought it would. And, um, you know, fortunately, I didn't blow up an account like I keep hearing about. But I definitely had a lot of, I encountered a lot of um, obstacles that why. One of the main reasons why I wanted to push out my Twitter specifically was so other people wouldn't encounter that. One of my biggest pet peeves that I always had, because, you know, like, like anyone else, when I started realizing, oh, my gosh, the world of options, this is freaking awesome. And so, you know, I started following a lot of these big uh, fintwit guys. And some of them, you know, they'd be like, okay, I'm getting in this position. Of course, you know, I'm new. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm jumping in too, right? Yay. I have, a, I have a position. <laughs> and, you know, and because, you know, there's a couple of these guys, when they win, oh, my gosh, they get like Fifty tweets on this one win and they're like I'm buying a Lambo I'm going I'm buying a train or a yacht where where are we going you know showing off all (laughs) these jewelry and stuff and I'm like yes that's what I want but and so on those it's easy to figure out when they exit but it's the other ones right because no one wins 100% of the time it's impossible and so I remember specifically my account wouldn't grow and I couldn't figure out why because I'm like dude I'm getting some of these these big bangers I'm like I got that. So why is my account overall not growing? And I figured out, oh, because I had these other ones that these same Tintwit guys would call out, but they never they tended to forget to let you know when they exited. And that would always be my biggest, personally my biggest pet peeve. It would be. Every once in a while, like on a on a Friday, five minutes before market close, they would have this one quick tweet or a message. Oh, by the way, I, I exited these four positions. Okay, bye, and that's it, right? Like, no one's going to see that because you're already in the heat of the moment trying to do your zero zero DTE Fridays, so it just kind of gets lost. And you know, it's just it, that was super annoying. So the transparency thing was just really, really uh, annoying to me, and really kind of kind of set me off because you know we're all trying to help each other. What I what I love about this. retail trading phenomenon is that it's not competitive. It's truly collaborative. Everybody wants to help each other. And I love that. I mean, I am, you know, I am, (laughs) you know, this being in real estate, that is a freaking dog eat dog world. And if you're not eating, you are being eaten. There is nothing in the middle. And so I see a lot of people, it's hard to make that transition from Say real estate or any or insurance or some of these other people I kind of, I've kind of uh, met because they're so used to being competitive and, and guarding all their stuff and, and keeping it closed in their, in their trunks with a, with a key locked and, and swallowing it, type of thing. But what I've learned, especially from this TFC Discord, is and, and you touched on it earlier, is the people that are in there, the traders that are in there, especially their founder, uh, Tamakazi, the guy is unbelievably unselfish. I mean, he will just bend over backwards to try to help other people succeed. He, when he says, "I want everyone to make money," he truly believes it. When I hear that with some other people, you're kind of like, eh, "Okay, cool. That sounds that sounds great. That's a that's a great soundbite, But I don't really believe you. Um, but that's not the case here.
0: The, I, to, I I agree with you. And, and like a recent thing that happened in the group was the BGFV trade, right? And you could see, like, <laughs> yes, Tom Tom almost. I'm sure he's happy that he's making money, but he was so much more happier that everybody else that followed him was making him money. And I I think that is a rare quality, right? So he he was really overjoyed that everybody was having fun together and everyone was making money together. The problem that you alluded to is that um, it doesn't go forever, right? So eventually you have to take the profits and cut it or cut the losses, right? And a lot of these people that I used to follow as well, they don't tell you that because it's like a a shameful moment. And even, even Tom... It's like, all right, I guess BGFV is dead. I guess that trades over onto the next one. It's like a shameful thing, but to me it's not, right? You have to be real. And we all had a wild, amazing ride. Everybody should have made some money. You know, there's no, this is also why, there's no this shame That's
1: why it. people yeah. there isn't, but this is all why people need to scale out. And this is why I'm also a big advocate. And one day I am going to write a book about how life mirrors the stock market. And in the stock market, right, we can't have a big, big, fat, net, huge gainer. Unless there's consolidation, we can't have a hundred percenter unless it retests the breakout. We can't just have something go up and up and up and up forever because it's just going to come down and down and down, right? What goes up that fast comes down. You have to have consolidation. You have to retest. You have to have these things in order to have a bigger breakout. And so, what I think a lot of a lot of people they're mistaken, and and I was that way as well, is you expect to hit these um, these gains so you know right off the gate, and it's just they just don't happen. In fact, as a as a side note. For me, one of my one of the things I just I can't stand hearing is the term "diamond hands" and "paper hands." I personally think "diamond hands" has has made way more uh, way too many people uh, poor or blow up their accounts because maybe they might be up 15 20% but they're like no man i got a hold i want that moniker i want to be called diamond hands i want to be i don't want to be called paper hands i'm like honestly there is no shame in paper hands if you can do that 9 out of 10 times i assure you you make a whole lot more than that one guy who keeps the one play that yeah it went to you know it went to 500% but it took you 15 losses to get there and in fact those 15 losses i bet you were up in most of them at one point
0: yeah i mean It's it's this recent phenomenon, right? So like I've got friends that got the Shiba Inu coin and they're up five hundred percent in like a week and they're like, nah, bro, it's going to the moon. I'm like, dude, (laughs) you just five X your money in like three days. You takes at least take some off the table. Take your money off the table or take like Half you know half the gains off the table and let the rest ride, but don't let the whole thing ride. Like it's got to come back down, and then inevitably it comes back down, and they put their head down. Like, nah, it'll come back one day, bro. I'm gonna hold the <laughs> diamond hands for life, and I'm like, my goodness. Um, yeah,
1: the, I'm telling you, the diamond, that diamond hands moniker and paper hands for that matter, have just have. I think those have really impacted. Some of these uh, younger traders, because remember, these younger traders are coming through the—they are—they're—they're uh, they, they're the video game generation, right? They're—they're—they're they're, they're gamers, and they want the—and for them, and for this generation, it's more important to have a reputation in some of these things than it is for actual results, right? They want that badge of honor, they want that thousand percent badge, and they're willing to freaking blow up five and six accounts to get that one play because that's all they want was to have their name changed to a different color or get some badge or be able to repost something on their social media. And that's a shame. I
0: mean, that's honestly one of the things I truly appreciate about you. And, and like I, I mentioned in the intro, your story of taking in a $10,000 account, I think it's over a quarter million now in less than three months or about three months and, and still going. Um, you, you show the actual percentage gains that you make on every trade or losses. Uh, because I think too people are too many people are fascinated with like a thousand percent banger, or I got to get over a hundred percent. When in reality, People are, are taking profits at 5, 6, 7, 10, 12, 15%. And that's how you have a successful trader, not waiting for these crazy numbers. So I, I love that transparency. But before we, we, we talk about the dynamics of what you're doing, can you just explain to people, like, what is this rapid flow? Like, people that are not in the Discord group that have no idea what you're talking about, what is it? How does it work?
1: So this rapid flow, and by the way, there, there's a baby one coming up that I'm starting to love. And I think you love it too. It's called Nimbus. I'm starting to really fall in love with that one too, the Nimbus alert. But this rapid flow alert um, was invented. It was actually coded by um, ATM, I think. is it? it's, like a- it's Avery in the Discord. And the dude is just incredibly bright. And he and Tom got together and just created this alert that basically triggers when there's these unusual spikes at a certain on a certain ticker at a certain price in a certain way when there's maybe there's multiple orders or there's a, just an unusual it, it sets off certain metrics and i'm sure you understand they don't even tell me right i have no idea i know there's some secret sauce there's a lot of metrics that go into it but when it triggers all i know is they've been very very successful because for me i interpret it as some big player out there or maybe, a, maybe an algorithm or maybe a fund, they have internals that something hits and they, they make an automatic buy. And, but, and then maybe they're trying to hide these buys over the course of multiple buys. And, but these alerts are, are smart enough to pick this thing up. And these guys are bright enough to, under, to kind of weed through all of the kind of smoke screens that are sent out sometimes and consolidate all, all of that into one alert that's, that we can play that's actionable. And so there's a lot more to it than that. I'm just trying to give you the, the general uh, the general overview so in, in in essence it's a it's a it's a highly unusual position that was taken in a particular option contract at a very particular price with with or without um, catalyst i mean it's it's been fascinating and so to kind of start off on – it's, would you like me to go into the you know kind of the history with the rapid flow? Yeah,
0: I'm curious why – like what did you see to make you say, you know what, I'm going to start a challenge and put $10,000 into a separate account and just follow these. Like what did you see that made you want to start that?
1: So I remember um, talking to them, and I was like, what is this rapid flow? And I remember they were testing all this stuff on their server – And they they have another alert called, I think it's uh, Super Fortuna, and they have some some of these other alerts. And honestly, I didn't know the difference between them. I'm like, okay, this one sounds cool. This one sounds cool. Rapid Flow, that sounds cool. Let me try this one. I remember the first one I did, I was like, oh, man, that actually hit pretty quick. And um, uh, and I hit like two or three of them, and I was like, this is kind of fascinating. And I looked at those two or three, and like an idiot, one of them, I was like, oh, my God, this went up to like 25% so quick. I think it was Tesla, to be honest. And it was like in mid-August. And it went up to like 25%. I'm like, oh, yeah, baby, we're getting t- – I'm not going to paper hand this. I'm going to let this <laughs> go all the way through. And what happened? Freaking not only went to zero, it went negative. So I actually lost money on the trade. And I treat every dollar I have like a soldier. And I do not want to sacrifice my soldiers unless I'm getting return out of it. If I'm not capturing land or, or fortifying something or progressing or – Or just advancing my cause, my army, my force, my empire, then I don't wanna sacrifice the lives of my soldier. And I really, truly treat each dollar like that way. So I remember that one and just pissed me off. So I looked at all three of those trades. I remember it. I was like, okay, each one of these hit at least 10%. So you know what? On the next one, I'm just gonna try it. And I tried it a couple times and man, it was working like a charm. When I first started, I would do, um, and this is before the $10,000 thing, I would just do, okay, I'm gonna do $2,000 play, whatever that buy is, and I'm gonna set. Say say it was um, you know Tesla, right? So I bought whatever the whatever the strike was. Maybe it was a thousand dollars. Okay, so I buy I'm buying two contracts at thousand dollars each. And as soon as I buy it, whatever my cost was, maybe it's uh, maybe it's a you know a hundred or or a thousand. I set my limit sell immediately at one ten, or you know eleven $1, hundred dollars. So I was making ten percent. And I started noticing that every single one of them would be would be hitting. I like I literally did nothing. I like I would buy it. And then I would literally set the limit cell and it would just all of a sudden, it would just disappear off my screen. And be like, oh, congratulations. You just sold this for like, you know, whatever. And I was like, okay, this is fascinating. Then I started really looking at them. And then on August 25th, I told these guys, I'm like, I'm going to start this thing called Rapid Flow Challenge. May I have your permission to have, you know, to put this on a thread because I think other people might be interested in this. I mean, it's not sexy, right? It's not going to be 100% gainers. It's going to be really... Um, it's going to be really uh, vanilla. I'm going to shoot for 10%. And I'm just going to see if I can grow this. And Tom was really, really cool because honestly, he probably wanted to see how his alerts went. And <laughs> so did Avery. And so on August 25th, um, I put 10000 I, I So I used. I use a uh, Thinkorswim, TD Ameritrade. And so I have uh, three accounts with them now. So I have my day trade account. I have my long-term account. And I have my Rapid Flow account. And I link them all because I use TD because it's easy to switch between them. Um, so I put ten thousand dollars in a separate one, and I was like, "All right, here we go." What? What? In fact, as I'm talking to you, I'm pulling up my very first trade because I actually keep, I actually record everything. So I'm super curious, and so I can go back through and and do really cool stats. Like I'm not sure if you noticed this, mail, but Amazon, including today's um, and today's uh, success win, is twelve and zero in the month of November. If so, that means if we get an Amazon rapid flow, it is like it's. and in the month of November. So it's high probability it's going to be successful again.
0: Um, But let me pull this up. So while you're pulling that out, this is why I highly suggest everybody listening follows you on Twitter. Because unlike other people, you literally document every single trade every day, when you enter, when you exit – and you have like a, a history so people can see how exactly the $10,000 you started with grew to a quarter million and uh, I assume will keep growing. And, and every trade that was a win, every trade that was a loss, I think your percentage of success is like 90% or higher. On, on the
1: It's 80, 88, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's substantial for sure. And some, some I didn't hold long enough to be honest, but you know, I set rules for myself like, you know, like any good entrepreneur would, which is these are the rules and I'm not going to break these. Like I didn't want to hold for more than a couple days. I, you know, uh, if, it, if it broke support, I'm cutting, you know, just these different things.
0: And now a quick message from our sponsors. If you are a trader or interested in trading, I strongly recommend you check out the financial cloud. I've personally spent a lot of time in the last couple of years learning, trading, following different people and joining different groups. But as soon as I joined the financial cloud, I was blown away and immediately knew This was the best resource out there. It was like finding a diamond in the rough, especially in the world of trading where there's a lot of charlatans out there. I'm such a fan that this is actually the only ad where I personally reached out and requested that they let me promote them. So that should say something. I attribute a lot of my own success in trading to the financial cloud, and I love the team there, so I'm more than happy to help spread the word. I've also got several of my family and friends to join. My favorite feature is the live chat. So for literally the entire market day, I'm listening to professional traders calling out plays and describing what they're seeing. There are also algorithms they've built that notice unusual activity and instantly call them out to alert you. And I'll admit I was skeptical about bots at first until I saw how effective they were. So believe it or not, these plays are now the core of my trading. And of course, there's also the Discord group with a huge active community, nonstop education and classes offered as well. Quite honestly, they do not charge enough for all the value they provide. Sign up via the link in the show notes to get a 7-day free trial and 50% off your first month. Or you can just use promo code RICH, R-I-C-H. And within that time period, you'll know if it's worth it. In my experience, it's been a total no-brainer. All right, let's get back to the show. You mentioned it's not like exciting these ten percent gains, and I, I talked about Tom about this in my interview with him. Is that I truly believe, literally, almost every single trade I've ever made in my life was up ten percent at least at some point. The problem is that people don't take it right because they, they, they yeah. want more. And I had a TikTok clip that went viral uh, that was pretty much showing you how this is an extreme example. But if you take a thousand dollars. And you just get ten percent return on that thousand on on the full account. Uh, after a hundred trades of getting ten percent, you're up to a million dollars. Now, obviously, you're, you're not yeah. going to win every trade, but it just shows you the power of compounding these small wins. And you don't have to go for these gigantic bangers. But again, so my question to you is, how do you mentally keep yourself in check to take that ten percent when you see things going crazy like today? I told you, I, I took the Amazon one. You know, I took I took the small gain, and then you see it continue for another hundred dollar uh, win for the rest of the day, and you see how much you could have made. How do you mentally deal with that? Do you just not look at it? Like, how do you cope with that?
1: So, and that's a really really good question because you know when I first started this challenge in 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 August, I literally would just set it and go right. I was literally because I started with ten thousand dollars, and each play was up to five thousand dollars, and I literally would just put five thousand in. Try to get to five hundred bucks and then cash out. But obviously, there was runners then, like there are runners now. I definitely um, advanced um, the trading, kind of my trading process into rapid flows these days. So the the nomad trader kind of plan for today for rapid flows is, you know, I'll still. So now I uh, so the accounts about the accounts like two fifty, it hit like two sixty five today, I think it was. Um, so now that means I can I can I'll literally put. Up to maybe seventy thousand on each play. That's not. That doesn't say I'm putting seventy thousand immediately on a play. And I and I get it. I totally have the flexibility to do this now. So today, uh, today my, my the big win I had today was Nvidia, right? Nvidia Rapids. And I'll tell you in that that trade plan, I'll tell you exactly how that one went. So. Nvidia rapid came out and I believe there was an Nvidia rapid that came out right after it. So I'm like, Oh my gosh, a double rapid on the same ticker with some unusual call flow and some other minor alerts that hit on the same ticker. And obviously with a giant catalyst that just happened on their earnings, this is something I want to get in. So, cause usually what I'll do is I'll start with a quarter position. So say my, my max entry is we'll make, we'll, we'll make numbers easy. My max entry is uh, $60,000 right? So in, if I'm at a $60,000 clip, I'm putting a third in right off the bat. Okay. Uh, the thing hit great $20,000 immediate buy. And then I'm, now I'm watching the candles, right? Um, uh, and I, I, watch the three minute candles. If they're really, uh, if those candle bodies are just firing up with no wicks and they're just pushing up the top and there's a lot of uh, buy pressure, man, I'm doing another 20. And then I reserve some more so I can average down if it, if it hits. But in this case, I actually averaged up because NVIDIA was just, it was just going. If you remember this morning, so my initial position, I bought in at 20, bought an average up again at 20, was watching it, and then bam, it hit. Uh, now it continued on this incredible ascent. So I actually averaged up, but this time I picked a different strike. And then when my first position hit, I think it was 15%, I just I liquidated 75% of the total position. Um, so I banked those profits. And then my last 25%, I basically started doing as a trailing uh, profit, uh, profit stop. So in the, in that case, say I was up, you know, say those contracts are, you know, uh, six dollars. So I put a trailing stop, um, a roughly, I call it about ten percent. So maybe I'll start off at five fifty, and I literally manually will trail it up. I know think I know think or swim has a uh, a way you can do the trailing stops, but but with the twenty five percent, I like to actually watch it go up, right? I've already, and, and and what's nice is I've already made the money, right? The seventy five percent I've already hit. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm good on that. So now these other ones, I'm just trying to maximize these runners. And this will answer your earlier question, which is I've noticed that this gets me out of the FOMO stage because if I, if I'm, if I'm still engaged in it and 25% of that position is still a a substantial amount of money that was at at risk. But, but because I was running a trailing uh, profit stop, I wasn't going to lose money. Right. And all I did was just keep moving my stops up every time it it would spike in a candle. I keep moving my stops up. And finally, you know, it, it, it it peaked and dropped down and wicked my stop and I was
0: out, and I moved to the next trade. Are you? I know that yeah, Thinkorswim does have the trailing stop limit order, which I honestly haven't used as much because it's not as convenient to get to. Are, are do you have the active trader up and you're, you're like manually moving up the the last twenty five percent as it keeps going up? How are we, how-
1: No, I and that's something I need to get better at doing. I know there's I know there's a uh, there's a trader in the server. His name is Dapper. Um, and he's exceptional. I've watched one of his classes on um, how to properly maximize the thinker swim. And I honestly, I should probably uh, do that. But um, no, I, I literally manually move up my stops.
0: And then once it goes back down and hits it, that's it. You're strict about it. You let it go because
1: yeah, I let it go. And, then, and but here's the other thing. And I I For me, I literally close the window because, you know, I'm sure like, like every other trader, I have four screens. Um, but I closed the window that that particular, that particular ticker was in. And I just, I just don't go back unless another alert hits. If another alert hits, I start the process over. Like say I think I traded Amazon three times. Um, uh, I can't remember what my trades were today, but, um, yeah. So there was an Amazon rapid flow and two, no, no, I'm sorry, Apple. So there was an Apple rapid flow in the beginning that hit, you know, 12, 15% pretty, pretty easy. And then, you know, we had trailing, we had the trailing profits run. Maybe total was like maybe 16, 17% overall. But then the two Nimbuses hit later in the, in the day. And so for me, psychologically, every time I open a new screen and, 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 and put that ticker in, it's like, it's like fresh, right? Because I haven't really seen the ticker too much. Because as soon as I get out, as soon as all my runners are out, I literally close the screen out. And psychologically, for me, it's closure. And I move to the next one. Because the one thing I can assure everyone is that there will be another rapid flow, there will be another Nimbus, and there will be another play, and more than likely that day.
0: Yeah. And I'm going to include a link to everybody listening about, uh, to, to, a compound interest calculator that I think Tom was the first one that showed me this actually to illustrate like whatever your starting account balance is, let's say it's $10,000 and you're making, you know, five, seven, 10% a day. You can see how much that would grow over three, four or five months. Um, but you mentioned these rules that you set up for your, for your rapid flow challenge. I have them up in front of me, actually. I'm curious, how did you come up with these rules and do you always stick to them and do you always take every rapid flow alert
1: i don't they're guidelines we'll say that i wish i could say i stuck to them like glue but um sometimes you know you have a ticker with catalyst right and so i'm kind of letting the letting those slide a little bit more maybe i maybe i go in a little bit heavier or whatever but for the most part i stick i stick to the rules um you know as far as hold on I'm i'm actually scrolling up to there's my entry um So like rule one, each rapid flow play up to max and I had to change that because when I first started, I played 50% of the port, right? $10,000, I played $5,000. But right now there's honestly, it would be foolish of me to play $125,000 in one position. It would just, it just wouldn't be really smart. So I give myself the maximum of up to 50% up to a port. And I usually enter with a half position of whatever I'm playing that day. So today I determined my position because I started the day with you know 250,000. So I determined my positions at around uh, a fourth of that. So was that sixty like 60-ish? And um, so I'm like, okay, so I'm not going to get into any more than 60,000 into, into a position. And I think the biggest position I had today at, any, at a at a point was in NVIDIA. I think it was up at like 40,000 at one point. And I think Tesla too, for that matter, when I think about it. Um, but then, but those are really, really quick. Um, as far as targeting 10% profits, that's still one of the hardcore rules I do. I like to see the candles. Obviously we want to sell into a strong green candle. So a lot of the plays lately have been 11, 12%. And I've noticed that the um, rapid flows of fire in the morning, man, those things tend to run all day. The ones of fire in the middle of the day, I'm really happy with the 10% because a lot of times, especially with the chop that we're experiencing these days, um, it's sometimes it's hard to get to that ten percent.
0: I just want to because that's a great point. I saw a couple times, like an, I think this week there was an Amazon alert, and you exited with seven percent, and a lot of other people lost money on that trade. How did you know, like sometimes, to take the seven percent and not to wait for the ten percent?
1: So that was a, I remember that one. That was a midday trade. And I remember Amazon; it just didn't look healthy on the chart. And I've, I was watching on the five-minute chart, and it just wasn't. If you look at the volume candles, you look at where the price action is, you look at the the candles in relation to each other. I use a lot. I use uh, several of these uh, kind of pivot uh, indicators. I use uh, like a, a MFI. I use a lot of these indicators, and all together, it's just it. They, it just didn't look healthy. And so I was like, man, and Amazon was such a uh, you know those things. Those are some expensive contracts. And so I'd, I think I already. Hit Amazon that day? Was it this week?
0: I, I think it was a couple days ago. Yeah, this week I would guess. I just remember everyone else held it because it didn't get to that profit point, and they ended up losing money on that trade. But you took it at seven percent. So I was like, oh, I wonder why this guy took it earlier than he usually does. Well,
1: it's actually like I said, midday. Sometimes I'll take. It's funny when I first did this, you know. So my Twitter name, my Twitter handle is Nomad Trader Eight. I actually was going to do this with eight percent. That was originally my kind of goal, was man, 8% is is almost guaranteed on most of these things. Um, but I've noticed, like I said, it's just middle of the day. I remember that particular trade, it just I was honestly happy to get 7%. I probably could have got, I probably could have pushed and got maybe eight, eight and a half, but I don't think that thing ever hit 10. But here's the crazy part. If someone held that thing, you would have eventually you would hit it the next morning. In fact, you would hit it more the next morning, which is the crazy part in all this, right? We're talking about, we're talking about a one hour timeline, right? And and that's okay for me to do, right? Because I'm playing with a I'm playing with a large amount. And so for me, it's about volume of plays. But for some of these younger traders, I mean, that if that was early in the week, Amazon literally had a rapid flow, I think, every single day this week. So you could have if, if it didn't hit, you could have literally sat on it on Monday or Tuesday and you would have hit it this morning or yesterday morning or,
0: or whenever that was. Well, it's one of the things that I personally struggle with, and I know a lot of my friends do, is like actually cutting. losses and cutting a bad trade. So I've printed out this thing that Tom uh, showed me where the bigger the percent loss, the bigger gain you need to offset that loss. So like, for example, if you lose 10% on a trade, you just need 11.1% on the next trade to get it back. But if you lose 40%, you need 66% to get it back. So I guess I'm asking you for myself and for everyone listening Cause it seems like you're you're just ruthless. You take the profits, you cut the losses, and you're on to the next one. What is your advice for people listening that struggle with that that just can't let it go? Like I don't know what it is. I don't know it's admitting defeat or I don't know what it is, but it's really hard to cut it. Um you're holding on and hoping that you turn up a profit, and that ends up being very bad sometimes. So any advice there how to deal with that? Um
1: I'm I'm just as bad as everybody else. At times. <laughs> Nobody likes to take losses, but Um, I guess for me, what really changed my uh, trading style was realizing that there was going to be another, another play and just taking it. And um, you know, and my stop losses are an error between 25 and 50%, but I will give it some chance to run because I know several of my losses where I took big losses, like, you know, 40, 50%, they literally ran the next day. And so it was, that's a really hard psychological uh, barrier to get over once you see that. But you have to, I think, for me, you have to look at this as an aggregate. You have to look at this as you started the day with a thousand dollars and you ended the day with eleven $1, hundred dollars, and it doesn't matter how you went from a thousand to eleven $1, hundred; you just ended with eleven $1, hundred. And so, sometimes there's going to be losses, and most of the time there's going to be wins. But if you're consistent and play the rules and stick to your rules, you you honestly should be fine. Um, like I know Tom started his um the his auto trader on uh, through the TFC, and it's been it's it's been pretty it's. It sounds like it's been pretty cool so far, but I'm curious how the losses are going to... I'm curious how he's going to set up the stop losses and stuff in there because a lot of times, like Apple... Apple's a great, a great example for rapid flow. Apple is notorious for rapid flow comes out, people ju- pile in and it just drops. And it did that today again. There was the Apple flow, the Apple rapid flow that hit earlier today it was the same thing. If you got in when it, when it called... Man, it dropped. I remember I bought, the, I think, the, the 155s, and they were like 90 cents or something like that. And I remember it dropped to like 84, 83. But because I was looking at a chart, and I knew it was almost going to touch the bullish reversal zone, I basically averaged in right there. And then it started going up. And then I averaged in again. I averaged up and took a different strike. And so I, you know, I was able to hit my, uh, I was able to hit my profit goal much easier than people that just bought at the beginning and was waiting for it to come all the way back up. So, but to answer your question, the losses are definitely hard to take, Um, but you have to also understand on some of these is some are going to be better to take losses. Like, like my big loss I took, you know, last week was, was LCID and I, I knew I shouldn't have played it because it was right after it just exploded last week and a rapid flow came out. But a lot of times it's, um, I think it's like, I think some of these rapid flows are people hedging their current positions, especially the puts and sometimes the calls. And so that's why I think sometimes when these rapid flows come out, you have to look at the actual, uh, what it's being called on, right? If it's something that's deep, deep in the money, whether it's puts or calls it, a lot of times it's a hedge. In fact, most of the times it's a hedge. And so that's not something I really, I really get into. I don't get into the, the mem the meme stock. I think those things are just, they have their own kind of lifespan, And no matter what happens, it's just, it's someone's, you know, uh, you know, they get on, they get on their uh, Wall Street bets or something like that. And it just goes crazy and you can't really control it. It's not, that's not controlled by, you know, fundamentals and technical analysis. It's controlled by, you know, uh, the mob. So it's really hard to, it's really hard to do that. Even though some of the rapid flows when they hit on AMC and GME have really, have really taken off. So, but in general, I avoid those. And I avoid I avoid the puts because the puts haven't been the best on Rapid Flow. They've gotten a lot better. Um, I took one yesterday and I sold at close yesterday for 15%. I think it was um, I can't remember the name of it. It was uh,
0: hold on. I guess there I, I don't pay, play the puts either. I just think generally
1: fig. It was f it was FI it was figs, F I G S. So it hit at the end of the day. But what's funny was if you would have held it today, man, that thing would have been 30, 40 percent. Because that thing went all the way down because someone, you know, someone uh, texted me about it. But I just I stick to the like I like the I like the big tech names. I obviously love Apple, uh, Apple AMD, uh, Amazon Nvidia. Um, and I also like when when you get a ticker in rapid flow that you don't see, and uh, and it's a strike for that if for a weekly that's maybe a little bit out of the money, like today was Macy's, right? They had a giant catalyst because it was you know they just made more money, they just reported more money than ever, and so that thing was taken off. So a lot of people, I remember listening to it even on live where they were hesitating to jump into that rapid because like man, it's already gone up so much. So I took a smaller position. I was like, eh, I'll still play it, and I hit thirty percent within like literally like five minutes. Uh, did you get into Macy's? No, suit? I didn't play
0: Macy's for the same reason. I, I, I The hesitation got to me. Because um, even the Apple rapid play, I didn't get into today. Because when it first went off, when I see, it looked like it was like parabolic. It was just up, 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 up. And I'm like, you know what? Realistically, how much more can this go? Clearly, I was wrong. Uh, but I didn't take it because I guess I second-guessed myself. So I, For me, it sounds like you just take it immediately. But you keep some in reserve to average down if it goes down.
1: Correct. So now I take it. So, and I get it where you're starting off. I totally get it. Cause you're basically shooting your wad right off the bat. And that's hard. Right? <laughs> I mean, you really have to be accurate. So for me, I'm basically playing like a fourth or even a third of a position. And I have a giant reserve that I can go and back that play. And I'll go, like I said, I'll go in either direction. If it's something like Nvidia today where it was just taking off, I'm like, heck yeah, I'm going to average up. Or where it was Apple, where I was like, okay, well something triggered Apple. And, um, and I'm sure you've already started to notice that there's some of these tickers you have to be patient with. Apple, Amazon, um, Shopify, uh, even Netflix. You just have to be a little patient. Or, or Qcom yesterday. Qcom yesterday was a great example. Qcom, spike, 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 and you know they kind of leveled off. And if you jumped in there, man, you got hammered because it dropped. But as soon as it wicked the lower, the lower support, it freaking rocked it right back up. In fact, you could have made more money If you average down, then even, then even when you went in initially.
0: Yeah. I find myself, I I give myself more patience and leeway if it's like early in the week and I'm playing weeklies, but if you're, if you're doing like a zero day or it's Thursday and it expires tomorrow, the the clock is against you. The pressure's on, you're sweating. Um, I guess, I guess people get a little bit more nervous in those situations, but I definitely give myself more leeway earlier in the week. I don't know if you do the same thing.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. True. Um, but what I would, what I would suggest to those people out there that kind of sweat it is. I would definitely, you know, if you're, you know, look at the charts. Uh, once you, once you, t- once you scaled your full position, set your immediate uh, limit sell at ten percent, because a lot of times, especially the tickers we're talking about, you wick on those all the time, right? Just like you wick, st- just like you wick stop losses, you don't even realize this. The, the the ticker went down that low, but it just wicks and gets you out. Well, and, but it's, the inverse is also true; it wicks up and gets you your ten percent. I've noticed Tom has done that the last couple of days. Because sometimes he's like, man, I hit my 10%. I'm like, dang, I didn't get to 10% yet. I'm like, it's seven because it wicked up, snatched his order, and someone bought it.
0: I guess people people are doing market orders. They just want to get in or or whatever, and uh, it grabs yours. So I've had that same experience. You, You mentioned in the beginning that when you first started, your account wasn't growing. And obviously now it is growing very, very quickly. If you had to boil it down to like one or two main things, what is the difference with you now versus then? What clicked? What are you getting now that most people listening maybe aren't getting yet?
1: Three things. That's an, that's an easy question. I get that. I ask. I get asked that all the time. Just like I'm by my friends. Just like I'm sure you get asked by your friends. Number one is accountability. You have to be accountable to somebody. If you're
0: just there, do you play poker? As well? I, I do play poker. I haven't played in a while, but I do play.
1: Okay, so. When you're hanging around with your buddies, you know, just kind of drinking and watching sports or whatever, you tend to splash around. And if you go to a casino and do that, you could win some, listen, but two, three hours goes by and the rake, the house always wins. So that's number one is accountability that someone, some, someone somewhere is holding me accountable. In this case, it's my Twitter account. So the fact that I put everything on there, I know that I have to post these things. And a lot of times I don't want to just splash around, which leads me to number two, which is over trading. Overtrading is freaking the one of the biggest killers of accounts, and it's funny now that I post all my trades on Twitter's all entries, all exits. I've noticed a lot of times on the days when I think I'm going to do really, really well because I've had all these wins, but I've also had some losses. I don't make nearly as much money as like days like yesterday or today, where I had less than ten trades, um, and this you know I just make a lot, at the end of the day I have way more money than I started with on these days when I. When I'm into like the, you know, 15, 20 trades, I don't make as much. Even if I'm highly successful, it's crazy. So over, tra- I don't, you know what, it's, I, 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 I can it to like your checking account, right? So I don't, I, I call it my checking accounts, like my black hole or a debit visa, you know, ATM. If you put hundred dollars in there or a thousand or 10,000, it just disappears. Nobody knows where it goes. You just know it's gone. It's a, it's the same thing as this. You if you just trade all day, all of a sudden at the end, you're like, what the hell? I thought I had you know ten thousand dollars. Now I have ten thousand four hundred. Wait, I knew I won more than this, but remember the house always wins. So minimize the house advantage by just playing your high conviction, high conviction things, which is number three to answer your initial question is I go, I just I am very I try to be as patient as possible, I try to be as disciplined as possible, and I try to go off my main alerts. Uh, whether it's whether it's the Rapid Flows, the Nimbus, um, Super Fortuna, or what I like to call the McDoubles, so I listen to live all the time. And by the way, I coined that phrase, so don't let Tom tell you because I actually coined the McDouble <laughs> phrase because I'm always like, okay, so if Tom, so I love live because just like you, I listen to it all day. I mean, for me, it's 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 better than any talk show. It's better than CNBC. Heck, it's better than listening to music. And especially when I get to pick the music, not, not some of Tom's elevator music. My God, I want to go to sleep sometimes, on that stuff. <laughs> but, but, as, but aside from that, you know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, you could, be, you could be watching an alert. And for me, I'm very, very active, right? I'm not active necessarily trading. I'm active doing my, I'm, do, I'm active charting and updating my charts and looking at, looking at a lot of indicators and looking at minor flow, looking at major flow, and then looking at all these alerts and, and going across Twitter and just kind of reading all this type of stuff during the day. And I'm very, very dedicated to it. So when I start to see a ticker once, twice, three times, and I start to see minor flow coming in on it, so that means that's a lot of small purchases, but no offset on the put side, on the on the uh, on the bear side. And when I start to see that, and then I hear a, a trader I respect, like Tom, say, "Oh yeah, I'm really looking at this one." And then I hear another trader I respect, like Avery, say the same ticker, dude, that is on the high alert for me. Then I go look at the ticker and see where it is in the in its channel and see where it is in its, you know, just. I, and if it's where it where it likes to be, I start. I'll start a position. And a lot of times, I'm sure for the people that follow me on Twitter, you can see a lot of times I'll I'll enter stuff, and it's not attributed to Rapid Flow or no or uh, Nimbus or whatever. Sometimes I'll just enter a position, and sometimes those are some of the most successful ones because those are the ones that you're getting ahead of everything. And there's no better feeling. And getting in on a trade and then a rapid oh, yeah. hits. Oh my gosh, that's like
0: that's happened to me as well. Where like I'm about to take my profits and then the rapid flow hits and I'm like, you know what? Let me hold on to this for a little longer.
1: <laughs> exactly. I was I was there today with I think it was. Amazon? I it was, I was like I literally was like, okay, I'm gonna go ahead and take profits. And I was like, whoa,
0: whoa, whoa, whoa. So it sounds like you have so you're you're not just listening. You're getting these Discord alerts, right? Whenever we're at rapid flow, what all these flows are constantly buzzing on your phone or tablet. So you're watching that and you're also listening, and that's pretty much all you do to determine what you're trading.
1: Correct. I am I, I started depending on where I am, I'm on the I'm on the West Coast this week. Um so unfortunately it's freaking six AM <laughs> So 6 a.m. I'm getting all. the I'm downloading the news. I'm reading everything. 6:30 I'm live because I'm you know 6:30 uh, a.m. live and I go till 1:15 on the West Coast. Um, but I am literally at during that time. It's funny because that and that's why going back to when we talk kind of talk about my other businesses. I have I hired operations managers and every single one of them because and my number one rule is. Do not freaking contact me between the hours of, you know, uh, nine a.m. and four p.m. Eastern. If you do, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> so don't do it.
0: That's pr- that's pretty sweet that you can you can have that set up. So I guess as we're as we're wrapping this up, some last couple questions that I'd, I'd love to get your input on. Um, what's next for the challenge? Like, are you going to keep going till you hit a million? Are you going to take some profits out for tax freeze Like, wh- what's next?
1: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to push this to a million. I'm gonna see. a I think I can get there by maybe mid 2022. All, all these guys want me to get there by December 31st, and <laughs> I'm just that's just, just not going to happen. I mean, you know, today today was an awesome day. You know, today was you know we added 13,000 to the to the bank today, which was cool. Five uh, five rapid flows, all five hit. In fact, I think this week is. I don't think there's been a loss this week. If I I mean, look, yeah, there. It's actually rapid flows are literally one, two, three, four, five. They're like 17 for 17 this week. I mean, it's Do you have like, a
0: spreadsheet where you're tracking all this for yourself?
1: Y- yes, I have a I have an internal. I track everything. Um that's the only way I could feel I cuz cuz I also want to know like what tickers are um are hot. Like on Amazon, I told you, Amazon is 12 and 0. So today I have complete conviction. So maybe in a normal Amazon position I take Uh, a third or maybe a fourth a starter, especially because Amazon, because the premiums are so jacked most of the time. But because I was so confident in Amazon because of its history this month, I went in like half position right off the bat and it just, and it took off and Amazon paid really well today.
0: You probably could get to a million a lot quicker, but I I would assume, (laughs) I would, Stop, I just want to, (laughs) I would assume that once you have an account that big, um, you get into liquidity issues with options. Like you can't put 70 grand into like some of these option plays that come up. There's just not enough liquidity for it. It's, it's harder to get in and get out that full position. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but
1: I, no, no, you're, you're absolutely correct. And so that's also why I really like the, you know, cause 70 grand in Amazon is right. not going to, I mean, I might, I might actually set up our, at some point we're teasing about this is if I have enough rapid flow followers, cause I'm not sure if you notice this, but like all of a sudden there's like this, this rapid flow cult that started now. Yeah, Um, both on Twitter and (laughs) Discord and everyone's playing the same thing. So at some point I could see us setting off our own alert, which would be actually kind of cool. I
0: I wonder if that becomes like a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Because you proved that it worked. and Now you have this community that I'm assuming is uh, only continuing to grow following the same place. So it's kind of like inevitable that you will get the chance at 10% or more. You just have to take it. Um, and I, th- I find that that's the most difficult thing, and I don't know if there's an in- any easy answer to that. I like to think of it this way. You kind of alluded to this in, in a different way, but I like to think of the-, the game is rigged against you. The options game is rigged against you. It's insurance contracts for existing stockholders. Uh, it's not for your benefit. So Theta, all this thing decays it and eats it away if you wait long enough. Like you said, the house always wins. So you have to take the profits when they're there, because if you don't, you're you're not gonna end up winning in most cases. Like you have to.
1: Don't forget that it's not just not taking the profits, but it's the mental cost that you that you incur as well. Because then and I, I see it all the time, in traders, I'm no different. Right. When when we see something, when we see something go up to 10, 15, 20 percent, and we're like, damn it, I should have just taken the 10% because now it's back to zero. What are you what are you doing now? You're literally just watching that ticker. And how many things are passing you by on the side? It is truly the epitome of opportunity cost, right? Because now you're spending all your mental energy and mental capital thinking about what could have been, what should have been. And man, I should have just done the 10. I should have just done the 12. I should have just done this. Oh, it'll come back. It'll come back. It'll come back. And it never does.
0: I guess we we talked a lot about this throughout this conversation, but is there any... In summary, towards the end, is there any general advice that you have to beginner traders or people uh, listening that are trying to get better on how to get better? Um, you mentioned the, the three rules. I don't know if there's anything else um, you want to add in I general that, as parting um, advice I actually to people. I've
1: have, have been defining my own set of, of rules, but I remember I tease everybody um, that rule seven, right? Um, my rule seven is is don't look back. Once a trade's done, a trade's done. Just move to the next one. You spend mental capital doing that. because. It, and and especially for newer traders, I can't can't stress that enough. They spend way too much time on what should have been, what could have been versus, okay, cool. Yeah, I screwed that up. Let's learn from it. Let's move forward. Or, hey, I got 10% profits. Yeah, it's not 20% or it's not 50%, but it's not zero. The other thing too is, and I think I talked about this earlier, is please get an accountability person. Get, a, get an accountability partner. Get an accountability group. I don't care what you do, but you have to be accountable to somebody other than yourself. The thing about trading, and you and I talk about this. You know, it's nice to be to feel part of a community, even like a TFC, because of the live. You feel like you're part of a group and you and you feel like that you can share your the anguish of losses and and but also the thrill of the thrill of victory and you can share that with someone and it's that much better. Um, and and but but number one, freaking don't be greedy and stay fluid because you hit it on the head. This is not this entire house is not built to make you rich. It is built to make you poor. So stay fluid. Don't be greedy. Take profits when they're there and compound your game.
0: I think that accountability is like a sleeper advice thing. I've actually toyed with the same thing where like when I put my TikTok clip up and everyone's like, all right, so you do it, bro. You can't do this. And I'm like, I, I've done it. So I know you can do it. But putting it out there, um, making an account and, and having to show all your trades that accountability makes you act differently. Like you won't get as risky because you know that if you have a huge loss, you're going to have to post it, right? People are going to be like, yeah, what'd you do here? Why'd you do that? So that accountability I think is really huge. Um, I wish more people would post their stuff publicly. I know it's scary. um, And I know that in the Discord, there's like a whole rapid flow challenge um, chat that there's a lot more people now posting. um, And I see a lot of honesty too, like some people taking losses as well. And they talk about what they learned and why, um, they won't get that loss again in the future, but th- I think that accountability is really a big thing. No,
1: I, I agree, and, and and you're right. Like, I made a dumb play. <laughs> I was like, I got caught up in the Baba freaking uh, euphoria. I'm like, hell yeah, that's going to beat earnings. And so, <laughs> I had a great day today. I can't I can't say I didn't have a great day today, but it could have been magnificent had I had to eat Baba right off the open. And there's nothing that I hate worse than when I have to do my opening morning Twitter remarks and be like, "Yep." Gonna get my ass kicked in BABA right out of the gate. You're- <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but you take it like a man, right? A lot of people would just not take that, and then it gets worse. Um,
1: yeah, no. You when 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 you when you know it's a loss and it breaks support, you've got to cut it. I don't care what it is, you have to cut. But that leads to education, which I'm so you know I'm I'm thrilled that you're doing these type of uh, educational a uh, podcast because people have. to you have to learn about supports. You have to learn about EMAs. You have to learn about reversal zones. You have to learn about supply. You have to just have a basic knowledge of the stuff because it's going to help you not just know when to cut, but also know when not to sell.
0: So, on that note, I'm curious because a lot of people they, they look for alerts. You know, I want to follow the Twitter guy that just tells me what to buy. Like they don't want to learn anything. They don't want to, They just want the alerts. Tell them what to buy. I'm a big believer in giving people what they want. So you can give them what they need, right? So you have to give them that, but you also educate them. And that's what I personally like about TFC. And we talked about it a lot. So I guess asking you for people listening who are considering, you know, joining the Discord or joining the financial cloud, who is it a right fit for? Who is it not a right fit for? How would you think about, you know, potentially joining something like that?
1: So I think they charge like 80 bucks a month now. Man, I mean, I pay whatever it is on my Visa it's the best I can honestly I pay200 dollars to follow some of these other FinTwit guys I think my total monthly bill these days is around a thousand dollars across everything right and for, for all the uh, all the things I follow because I'm a data junkie and I want as many points of data as possible but TFC at whatever they charge 80 bucks it's a, uh, it's honestly it's kind of a it's kind of a joke right I'm like dude you guys could, I for TFC, and you maybe maybe cut this part out and don't tell Tom, but I pay. I, I mean, honestly, I pay five hundred dollars a month for that because it's worth it. You literally get that in one trade, and then my counter to that would be if anyone is is trading options and can't afford eighty dollars a month, they probably shouldn't be trading options to begin with. In in my opinion, because you know it's really geared, and they and they, and they have so many rooms, and and I totally get it because I see a lot of the the, the conversations. When you first get in there, it could be a little overwhelming, but I know they have a guy in there named Darian now that's really, really good about um, you know, onboarding people. You know, When people come in, they can get to Darian, he can kind of show them around and you can kind of tell them, hey, so I'm a, I'm a long-term investor, I have a day job, I, don't, you know, I, I would love to day trade, but I really can't, so maybe I, I really like the Nimbus lords, because those, those take a little bit longer to play out, or the Super Fortunas, and Darian can kind of put you into whatever room that is, I've, and I've noticed that. And, you know, or there's other people they are like, no, man, I'm at home. I, I work night shift, So I can day trade or I can, I can get in and out. And so, Oh, you're in the rapid flow. You know, you want the rapid flow room. You want the unique flow room or all these other type of, uh, all these other type of options. I guess the the point in all this is it, it really can fit everyone's style, but just understand you can't do it all. And so that would be back to your original, your question, two questions ago, which is what would you advise as someone considering this is when you get in TFC, it's literally like drinking out of a fire hose when you first get in. Now, what's coming out of that fire hose is the best whatever your, cho- your whatever your favorite adult beverage is, mine happens to be whiskey, rum and wine. So it's literally like this like freaking fire hose firing off Pappy's whiskey and I'm just like, "Oh my god, I can't get enough, but I can't drink it all." And that for me was very very it was a, it was an inflection point for me where I was like, "I want to just focus on two or three of these things." And so for me, I pick rapid flow nimbus uh the super fortunas and the live trading the rest of them are really really cool and i use those for support and i use those for you know to like kind of oh i see spies moving oh i see there's a lot of call flow coming in so that's going to support this whatever but as far as actionable alerts i as a new person in tfc would keep it i would start with one or two see how you like that and then maybe bring in an extra one but even at that honestly for me, just the rapid flows are worth whatever they would, whatever. If they came out tomorrow and said it's $1,000 a month just to get rapid flows, I'd be like, here, I'll only pay a year in advance so I can make sure I have this. It is, for me, it's by far the most lucrative thing. Obviously, you know, 10,000 to 266,825 and 87 days on pure alerts and, and obviously money management. Man, that's, that's, a, that's a crazy number.
0: It's amazing the day and age we live in because I remember, I don't know how far back you go into investing, but like this stuff wasn't around before. There wasn't Fintwit. There wasn't Discord. I'd be reading books that no one wants to read because they're so dry, trying to figure out how to, like Benjamin Graham's Intelligent Investor, how to analyze uh, stocks to buy and and try to get 10, 15% a year. And I was just remarking to one of my friends, like these guys in TFC are literally on live all day trading nine to four. Um, and then afterwards, Tom is doing another session about, uh, short squeeze potential ones. And then you have these other guys doing other classes right after the marketing, the market closes. It's like nonstop. These guys eat, live and breathe this stuff. Um, and, and like a few people I interviewed so far, uh, are more older, successful business people that are members. And I'm always curious, like, does it bother you taking advice from these younger guys, um i i know the answer is no but i know a lot of people would be like ah, oh, what does this kid know but they 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 know a lot they right? do so, yeah they
1: they you know and it's
0: and i'm glad
1: you talked about it because it's so i joined tfc in like i think it was february of this year and um you know they've come so far you know some of their some of the people they've added recently like uh sig that guy reminds me of like a professor right and he's just he's just so deliberate with everything and, and I, I i love him he, he is incredibly knowledgeable and and dapper which i think is actually one of the best educators on there other than Tom um, and he is just so selfless and he, he he hosts class daily He's always stopping not just to tell you the answer to your question but kind of delve into why you're asking that question uh, to be honest I uh last week you know I was like what are these what are these supply zones that you're using uh, dapper they're different from mine and he took the time Uh, you know, via message and he really kind of outlined it for me. We talked about Wix and the one hour candles, you know, going back a a week and I started to change my supply zones and my pivot zones to those. And it, it was, it's been a world of difference for profitability because I don't use those to enter. I use those to exit because those are obviously a natural support barrier or resistance barrier. And so, as my plays get there, especially with my runners, I'm using those exit. And I've I've never been as profitable as I've been in the last two weeks from a percentage wise, and I attribute a lot of that to Dapper. I mean, he's been he's been amazing. And obviously, there's Avery and Airdrake Drake on the daily on the live. They're they're tremendous. Um, you get Tay that pops in there every once. In a while. I'm not sure yet. Tay's like. When Tay pops in, he's literally like the jackpot guy. That guy has the freaking <laughs> magic touch. And I'm like, holy crap. When that dude when that dude comes in, you better pay attention because he's dropping he's dropping some sort of banger, right?
0: It's so true. Like he's barely there, but the one time he shows up, he calls the best play you know what, of the month or something.
1: I, I don't even know how he does it. I'm like, Tay, you 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 have someone on the inside, right? <laughs> but it's but to answer your question, they've all been just it's just been it's been an incredible experience. And I, I and and I'm still learning, right? And to answer your your question about trading—I mean, you know, like I said, I traded my first option in in January of this year, and I'll never forget. I thought I was being cool because it was still during pandemic time, so I I bought like my first option I ever bought was a Southwest, and I bought it a year out. I didn't know what a leap was. I just said, "Oh my God, Southwest! Of course it's going to come back." And I got bored of looking at it, and I was like, and eventually I sold it right. It, but it was—it didn't maximize it because it went up, but I didn't realize, you know, when you buy leaps, it didn't go up as much. Anyway, it's—I've learned. I have learned a lot, and to answer your question, I couldn't even imagine trading without Discord or without these alerts or without all these young guys. This this retail trader phenomenon is here to stay, and because I was the guy that was in real estate, at, much like you, and I was, you know, when I wanted when I was curious about about equities, trading equities, you know, a cu- couple of years ago, it was oh, I can't get into that. That's way too much. My God, I don't understand all these type of things. Um, I'm just going to leave it up to my stock guy. Now my stock guy is actually asking me about rapid flows. I mean, so that alone should tell you. I'm like, dude, I'm like, get my money out of your account. I, w- I, want, I want to invest my own money now.
0: <laughs> it's definitely, it's so amazing. Like it, the ability to tap into group wisdom, right? Because it's not just, hey, you asking one friend. It's literally like 200 people trading together, listening to the same guys, sharing things, commenting. Um, I, I just wonder what that says for education going forward. Like it's just a whole new way of learning collaboratively. Um, So uh, colleges and stuff like that, maybe maybe in a little bit of trouble um, with this new trend.
1: I I agree. And I think we touched on this earlier, whereas, you know, the generation before this generation, very competitive, right? If you, if you had a, if you had an upper hand in something, or if you had a, you had an edge, or if you had a core competency, you're not sharing that. You're holding that. You're, you're, you're hugging that so tight. It's like, it's like puppy death syndrome. You love it. You love it so much. You kill it. But these, but this generation now, this this trader, all these two hundred traders we hear live, so unselfish, so collaborative in nature. They truly want everyone to do well because they are true. They are always about the two plus two equals five group mentality. They're like, it's not about me. Again, if if I can help someone else win, it actually helps me win. Uh, and, and I and I can't I can't it, stress it's, that it's enough. Um,
0: it's amazing. I don't know why they're like that. Um... But I'm glad, I'm glad they are. Um, so I guess the last question I ask everybody, and I'm curious to hear this from you because you, you seem uh, well-traveled and, and have a lot of life experience, but we, we talk a lot about money uh, and the podcast is called Bound to Be Rich, but a rich life is not only about money. So I guess, what is a rich life to you?
1: Honestly, I'm living my rich life right now, which is I want to do what I want to do on a daily basis. You know, I don't consider trading work. It's actually fun for me. You know, I used to be obviously I love sports. I used to be a, a, a you know, obviously a, prof- a professional gambler. I used to play in these. I used to play in these big fantasy football leagues for a lot of cash. And I always felt my analytical nature could really change that. But anyway, I'm able to find something that's I'm passionate about. I love trading. I love you know uh, kind of the nuances of all of this, but. A rich life is being able to do what I want when I want to do it. The true flex is is freedom to do what you want, right? And um, like I have businesses, but you know what? I want to do this, so I'm going to hire someone to do it. Cool, you do that. And I and you know what? I want to go to Switzerland this week. Great, I'm going. I want to be on a houseboat last week. Okay, I'm going to do that. Um, I want tacos for dinner. Cool, DoorDash. You know whatever whatever the case is, that to me is a true rich life. And to capital off the cherry on top is legacy for me, right? if I can, so like I've had three mentors in my life that I owe everything to. And I in turn want to be able to, uh, positively affect other people. And and that's another guiding thing for my Twitter was, Hey, it's, I'm never going to monetize it. It's always going to be about, Hey, these are my trades. Cool. And I actually take the time to try to answer people's questions the best I could, but knowing that I'm still learning too. And I'm not sure if you follow, but like, I was so happy to say we got uh, someone that reached out from Norway. So I'm like, yes, Nomad Trader is now international. We got the <laughs> guy from I saw Norway. That. I mean, how awesome is that? I'm like, dude, I'm going to Oslo. I'm actually seriously considering going to Oslo just to trade from a cafe in Oslo.
0: That's the great thing about um, this uh, social media world. Like, hey, if you ever come out to New York, next time you're in New York, let me know. I'll treat you to a, a gyro. And broadway
1: <laughs> dude i was just there i don't know if you saw Uh-oh. i went so on my way back i was like i'm gonna go i literally i uh i connected at jfk and i actually pushed my flight out this is this another thing about a living a rich life is doing what you want when you want to do it i'm like you know what i'm gonna stay a couple days in new york and i'm gonna go have dim sum and i'm gonna go to a rooftop bar and i'm gonna make a trade i'm gonna do a rapid trade rapid flow trade in front of wall street and we <laughs> And so I did. It was actually awesome. It was an um, Apple, uh, and it was you know it was ten percent. But I was on my freaking phone, and said how my stuff went. these? So I was like, just get my ten percent, just so I can say I did it. I'm out. right?
0: <laughs> I, I wish I knew. If, um, I'm not, I don't live too far from JFK. Uh, really? I used to, yeah, I used to work a couple blocks from uh, the stock exchange as well on Wall Street, so I'm familiar with the area. I know I know all the good places to eat. So next time you come by, make sure you let me know. Um, but I'm I'm so grateful for the conversation. I hope people got a lot of it. I know I personally got a lot out of it myself. And I'm, I'm glad that you're doing this because like I said in the beginning, um, there's all these gurus online talking about these amazing plays. And I always wondered these guys that actually make a living trading, how much profit are they making? What is the time to get out? Are they going for the 80% moves? Are they going for the 2% moves? What is the appropriate profit level? And I think you're answering that with showing what you're doing uh day in and day out so i'm grateful for that i know people in the discord are grateful for that hopefully listeners uh check you out and i I think there's a free version of the discord too that people can can, uh maybe join into that i'll link to everything in the show notes but uh, nomad thank you so much i I truly appreciate you spending the time with us really really valuable
1: i appreciate thanks for having me um and uh hey happy trading and as we always say stay fluid my friends
0: One quick reminder before I let you go to join my email newsletter. It's going to be like a personal note for me to my friends of all the cool things I've come across that month, from hacks and tips, interesting stories, products, books, ways to make money, and who knows what else. It's totally free, and if you don't like it, you can always opt out at any time. The link to join is in the show notes, and I hope to see you in the list. And there you have it. If you enjoyed this episode, please remember to leave a review. I may even give you a shout out and read yours out on the show. For any and all resources that we discussed, check out the show notes or head on over to boundtoberich.com. Until next time.